Welcome to Found in Space, a science podcast for kids and teens. What does the term Messier mean, and how do we decide if things in space are or aren't Messiers? So, Benji, thank you. This is a really clever question. So we need to talk about the names of things in space. First of all, cultures all over the world have different names for the things that we can see in space just with the human eye. So there are different names for the sun and the moon and the stars in different languages. And we often name things like the really bright stars that we can see or fuzzy patches or things like the Milky Way. Different cultures have different names for those. A lot of the names that we use today come from the ancient Greeks or we use Latin names for them. So if there's something like a star, like the star Sirius, we'd say that it has a proper name the way you and I have proper names, right? I'm Arwen, that's my name. But we can also name things in the sky based on where they are. And this comes down to the constellations. So constellations are big areas of the sky, groups of stars. So con is together and Stella is star, so a group of stars. Now, often in those group of stars, we see pictures. And those pictures, those are what are called asterisms. And so sometimes they look like things to us, like it looks like a man or a lion, or it looks like a big spoon. That's what the Big Dipper is, right? Like it's one of those big spoons or ladles that you would dip into a soup or something like that. And so if there's an object that is in that constellation from our perspective we look up in the sky we'll name it after that so for example have you ever heard of andromeda galaxy well andromeda galaxy is the galaxy in the constellation of andromeda now andromeda is actually a figure from greek mythology a lot of the constellations in the northern hemisphere are from greek mythology oh here's another example so Have you ever heard of Proxima Centauri? That's the closest star to the sun. And Centauri means that it's in the constellation of Centaurus, the centaur. So Proxima is close. It's the closest star in Proxima or Alpha Centauri is the system it's part of. Alpha is A, so it's the brightest star. And we'll name other stars or we'll give them designations Beta Centauri, or Gamma, or any of the other Greek letters. And when we run out of Greek letters, we start using just regular numbers. We can also give things designations. So these aren't really proper names, like our names, like first names and last names. These will be series of letters or numbers that come from catalogs. So catalogs are big lists of objects. Because when we look up, there's a lot of objects, even a lot that we can see just with the naked eye. 
But once we start using telescopes, there are thousands upon thousands of more sorts of things. They're not just stars, but they're different kinds of nebulae. Sometimes we can spot comets and asteroids, and we can spot supernova remnants and globular clusters and all sorts of really interesting things. So M objects or Messier objects are a particular from a particular catalog that was made by a man named Charles Messier. Now he was French, and so the R at the end of his name isn't pronounced. Now I am not a, a French speaker, so my accent on his name is not going to be perfect, but he was really interested in comets. And he was at the end of the 1700s or so, and he lived near Paris. So that's in the Northern Hemisphere. So the Mese objects are all visible from the Northern Hemisphere. And what he was doing was he was looking for comets with his telescope. Now, when you don't have a bit very big telescope, like they did, like he had, right? Now today we've got very big observatories and huge, huge telescopes that can take incredible images. But with the kind of telescope he was using, comets looked like, well, kind of like little smudges in the sky. Now, what let him know that it was a comet and not something else is that night after night, it would change positions. So he was keeping track of all of the different comets that he could find. And he wanted to keep track of the things that kind of looked like comets, but weren't. And that's where our list of M objects comes from. So he started to make a list of these objects and they included lots of different things like the Crab Nebula or globular clusters. Those are basically these big balls of lots of stars really, really tightly packed to each other. So today there's 110 of these objects and they're a favorite for backyard astronomers because they can be seen with the types of telescopes that we would normally have access to. So if you have a basic 70 millimeter telescope, which is um, not a very expensive telescope, you can probably see all of these objects. Now there are other catalogs as well, for instance, the Cat Caldwell catalog, or there's a really, really big one that you've probably seen the names for before as well. Like it's the NGC catalog. So the new general catalog and new is, is relative because it's actually from the late 1800s, but this catalog has thousands of objects in it. And some things will have names from both of these catalogs. For instance, the Andromeda Galaxy has an NGC designation, and so do objects that are Messier objects. It's just a way for us to be able to keep track of what we're looking at. And so we need, when we're talking about a distant galaxy, we need to have a way of knowing, well, what distant galaxy is it that we're talking about? So these are different ways for us to keep track of objects. Now, there's one more type of naming convention that I should tell you about, and that is that sometimes we will name objects after the telescope that was used to find it. So when we talk about exoplanets, you've probably heard of a lot of different exoplanets that are named Kepler 7b or Kepler 
122C or something like that. Well, the way exoplanets are named right now, it's just designations. They're named after the star, and then we give a letter at the end, the B or the C or the D, to say where in its solar system is it, or what order we found it in. So Kepler-7, there's also a Kepler-6 and a 5 and a 4. Those are stars that were found with the telescope Kepler. All right. So this was a great, great question. And I encourage you, if you ever get a chance, go ahead and get a list of the Messier objects. You can also get little posters of them. They're really, really beautiful. There's some great ones. And throughout the year, you can spot them. Now, actually, this time of year right now, when this podcast is being recorded, which is April, so March, April into May, those are this is a really good time of year, the spring, to be able to see a lot of these objects. Thank you so much. If any of you listening have any questions you'd like us to talk about here on the podcast, please have your folks send it into the email address in the description box. And as always, friends, I hope you have dark skies and remember to stay curious.